Well, God bless you. Welcome back to the Love Church Charlotte. We are continuing in our Overcoming um, Challenging Relationships series. And I had the awesome privilege of bringing this midweek service to you, message to you. And so we're going to continue talking about challenging relationships. And we're going to look at that through the lenses of the Holy Scripture. And tonight I want to bring something to you that you've probably seen, if not in your own life, most likely in somebody else's. And the topic tonight is going to be when ministry and family collides, when ministry and family collides. So still talking about overcoming uh, challenging relationships. And let me tell you, I can tell you personally, when there's conflict in family and family is involved in ministry, you have a whole brand new set of circumstances that you're going to need the power of God, the presence of God, the favor of God, and the glory of God to get you through it. Amen. So let's get ready. Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter two, and I'm going to read just a few verses of scripture to you. I don't like to spend a lot of time reading uh, because you all are capable, praise God. But for the most part, I want to give you some foundation, but then we want to just get straight into what the spirit of God is saying, right? So we don't want to take a whole lot of time reading to you. Um, You can do that on your own, praise God. So Exodus chapter two, and I'm going to begin reading at verse two. And I'm always assuming you know this. If not, do yourself a favor and go back and read it so that you can gain a clearer understanding. Exodus chapter two, verse two. And the woman conceived, and I'm reading this out of context, okay? And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. So we're talking about um, uh, Jehokabed and Moses. Jehokabed is Moses' mom. And the goodly child, of course, is Moses. Verse three, Exodus two and three. And when she could not, could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, can't read tonight, sorry, and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she had it in flags by the river's brink. Okay, verse seven. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, um, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Now, I just took that all out of context. So let me just kind of clean that up a little bit for you. Didn't help with my stumbling during the reading either. But what is happening here is Yochabed is, is, is given birth. She, they're of the Levites, okay? They're the, of the Levite tribe. And so she gives birth. During this time, there is this um, uh, decree or edict that the, the enemy knew that the, the, the deliverer was coming. That's a deliverance message. I could talk about that later, but the enemy knew that a deliverer, that God was raising up a deliverer. The word had already gone forth. And so in order to try to stop what, stop the plan of God, which was a fruitless effort. um, So what Pharaoh did was he put out this decree that any child born under, I think under two years of age or any male child under two years of age, they were um, to be slaughtered, were to be killed. And so during this time, Yochabed conceives, right? And um, so she, gives birth because the midwives, the Hebrew midwives knew instinctively, we're not about, you know, we're not going to touch that. This is a God thing. And we're not going to uh, report this child to the um, Egyptian authorities. And, and again, that's something else I don't want to get too deep, but at any rate, Moses survived just as we survived, no matter how many attacks and, and, and plots and plans of the enemy against our life, God saw fit to, to provide a way of escape. Same thing happens here with Moses. And so Yochabed comes up with this idea to pitch this little tent or make a little makeshift boat. And she puts, uh, she places Moses in this um, little 
raft or whatever you want to call it and pushes him down the river. Now, you know, we can talk about that in another <laughs> on another platform, but at any rate, she did in instinctively, and it was a prophetic move on her part, but she was moving as a mother trying to preserve her son, not knowing the destiny that would be, um, that was upon his life. So his sister Miriam, and this is what I really want you to capitalize on, his sister Miriam is a prophet as a child. This prophetic grace was moving in her life because she felt led to follow Moses as he's drifting down the river. She's following Moses and by uh, uh, divine design, Pharaoh's daughter draws Moses, which Moses' name literally means drawn from the water. Pharaoh's daughter draws Moses because she's hoping and you know wishing for a baby. And lo and behold, here comes this baby drifting down the river, right? Miriam oversees it, observes it. And she approaches Pharaoh's daughter and says, hey, you know, you didn't give birth, so you, your body is not even naturally uh, you know, uh, uh, capable of nursing the child. She said, I'll go get a nurse for the baby. And of course it was a prophetic setup because Yochebed was able to nurse her child while all the other children were being put to death two years and under. God preserved Moses, allowed Moses to be under Miriam's prophetic eye. And I want you to catch this because we're talking about when ministry and family collide. Um, God allows Moses to be under Miriam's prophetic eye. She's his older sister. She's watching over him. She's the one who set this whole thing up for Yochebed to nurse Moses. And as Moses is being nursed by his mom, uh, praise God, she, she's pouring into him. She's making some impartations and some deposits that later on in life, Moses, it clicks that, wait a minute, I am of the Hebrew stock as well. And that's, again, another story. But at any rate, I wanted to introduce Miriam's part because Miriam played a very pivotal role, very um. Uh, critical role in Moses's life, number one, in sparing his life and in setting him in position to receive the impartation from his mom, who was a Levite, who, again, this woman operated in a prophetic um, grace because she knew how to, uh, to uh, provide this place of escape. She just knew, right? The spirit of God had to reveal that to her. So now I said all of that good stuff and, and to introduce Miriam in the story, we're like, yeah, right? Later on, we find out that um, God uses, indeed, raises Moses up to be a deliverer. And, um, you know, Miriam leads the band, the praise team with the tambourine and dancing and they're prophetically, you know, just enjoying Jesus, right? Well, we find here in Numbers chapter 12, something happens, say that with me, something happens. Because you will find that many times we all start out, whether you're natural family, church family, friend family, whatever family attribute you want to put to it. Um, you know, over time, people change, right? Uh, people grow or people don't grow. Um, personality, and I talked about that a couple in a few messages ago, personality deficiencies begin to arise and emerge and manifest and things that we don't catch or that we don't get a grip on or that we don't control. Like the Bible talks about casting down imaginations and every high thing, right? The thoughts of the mind are the high places, high places of the mind. Every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If we don't do that, we're gonna open ourselves up to some manifestations that are gonna be contrary to the purpose of God for our life. And instead of being a help, we're gonna become a burden and we're gonna become a big problem to the kingdom, right? Let me introduce to you Numbers chapter 12 and here's what's happening here. By this time, Aaron has been installed as the presiding priest, the chief priest. Miriam is, I'm gonna say the presiding prophet, prophetess. 
And so by virtue of who Moses is as this leader, um, an apostolic type of leader to Israel, they have this clout and this prestige and this uh, honor, right? By virtue of who Moses is. Before Moses came on the scene, they were just Miriam and Aaron. When God installs Moses and God, Moses pays the price. He paid the price in the wilderness. He even paid the price in the palace. He paid the price going to confront um, Pharaoh. He paid that price. God exalted him. Uh, God used him. God established him. God set him as the point man. And so, but here you have his family, right? Here you have his family who, whose hearts initially were like, yeah, Moses, go Moses. We got your back, Moses. Now something happens to where the Bible says in Numbers chapter 12, verse one, that Miriam and Moses, and Miriam's name is mentioned first, and that's not by coincidence, okay? Miriam's name is mentioned first, and Aaron spoke against Moses. They had an issue with who Moses married. And so it wasn't so much, they couldn't touch Moses's leadership directly, but the, uh, the assault against his personal choice in marriage became that target. The issue really was with Moses's leadership because here's what happened. Listen to it. You gotta love the word of God, right? Let's see what happens in Numbers chapter 12, verse one. And, Mary, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. I believe they're talking about Keturah, okay? Um, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And to my knowledge, Keturah was the only woman that he had married, okay? Uh, and they said, listen, remember what I said, that, that the issue, they picked on Moses' wife, but there was an underlying issue and the underlying issue was with Moses' leadership to a greater or lesser degree. Maybe they wanted a, a higher position. I don't know, you can't get much higher than a high priest. But again, Miriam led this, right? Miriam led this and it could be, let's just speculate here, could be some jealousy, could be some envy, could be some strife, could be, hey Moses, you didn't call me back when I called you. Or Moses, you didn't invite me to the birthday party. Or Moses, you didn't give me the chief seat at the conference. I'm just bringing that into some of our modern times. In other words, you know, there's a tendency to want to hold on to people, um, you know, maybe beyond that season of grace. For example, when Moses was a baby, yes, it was your job to cover, to protect, to guide, and to navigate and make the connections. But now, you know, God is doing something else. And, and, and God didn't discount you or dismiss you. You're still blessed. You're still a part of that move of God. However, your, your seat has changed. There's been a changing of the guards. Whereas you were the one looking out for Moses. Now Moses is looking out for you. And sometimes my friends, my sons and daughters, mentees, praise God, people have a hard time seeing you with your promoted, elevated self. I had to take a little break there. Uh, so, but at any rate, you know, sometimes we have an issue when there's a changing of the guards and we felt like, well, I've been here from the beginning. Oh, I was here first, or I'm your sister, or I'm your brother, I'm your mom, or whatever that family dynamic thing looks like. And there could be matters of the heart, and we talked about that in February, there could be matters of the heart that we have not paid attention to. We just kind of skipped over it, prophesied over it, spoken tongues over it, put a good shout and a seed on top of it, and we neglected to examine the areas of our heart. Because it, it's not, it's not, 
inhuman to feel that kind of way. You're human. And, you, and I often tell people, you know, somebody reached out to me today and I said, listen, you, you are having a human experience. And I think sometimes we, we put on this cape and I'm Superman, I'm Superwoman. And then when things happen and we don't really know how to navigate through it the way we think we should, you know, we beat up on ourselves, we condemn ourselves and, and uh, you know, oh, I'm unfit, I'm unworthy and I'm messed up. And I often have to remind people, why don't you just be human and accept that you, you're human? <laughs> you know, you're anointed and you're awesome and you're beautiful and handsome and lovely. And you got a whole lot of awesome, tremendous things happening in your life. But at the end of the day, you are a human and you're trying to navigate through an experience in this in the realm of the spirit with with all of these human things going on, emotions, feelings, proclivities, memories, traumas. You, you, and you're just trying to do God. Right. And trying to live through your own stuff at the same time. So give yourself permission to be human. Is there you you have to own your feelings. Right. And let's just put ourselves in Miriam's seat for a minute. And let's just say, you know what? I looked over my baby brother. I protected him. I helped navigate him through when the devil wanted to kill him. Literally, I put myself in, you know what I'm saying, on the, on, on the line. I got I, I stood on the front on a battlefield, on the front line of the battlefield and preserved him and protected him. Pharaoh's daughter could have had me killed for sneaking in her backyard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, and, it, you know, I, and, and I did all of this for him. I'm the one who brought him back to mama so she could nurse him so he could stay have a part of his Hebraic uh, uh, roots. And now here he is the great leader. And then he goes and gets married and there's no evidence of, of Miriam being married. So that can be a problem, right? You're seeing something happening in somebody else's life and you feel some kind of way, you feel slighted because it's not happening for you. And so instead of saying, God, you know, what is it in me that's blocking me from receiving or experiencing that? We attack what we don't have that breach. And so it, it could have been all of that. And Miriam would not have been wrong to feel that way because truth is truth. But at the end of the day, you have to come into a place of, of compliance with the will of God, whether you agree with it or not. Agree, a compliance doesn't always mean agreement. I was reading an article today about husband and wife relationships. And one of the authors was saying that uh, honoring your spouse doesn't mean that you agree with them. And I was like, wow, that's so powerful. Because we often think that we have to agree with you to honor you. I can honor you. Same thing with parents. I think we talked about that in our Family Matters series. You can honor your parents. The Bible says honor your mother and father, right? So uh, that all may go well, your days may be long upon the earth. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're going to agree with every decision, everything that they, do, uh, that they do. Sometimes to honor someone means, hey, we can't talk today. We probably can't talk for the whole year, but you can text me and I can text you and I'll mail you a card. In other words, we may love each other best from a distance. Remember I talked about, I don't know which lesson it was, but I talked about the mystical covenant. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent. I love you, but we is, we're just not good together. And I, that's kind of a, a segue into my Sunday morning message. Don't miss that. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, embrace your human um, experience. Embrace your humanity. Because sometimes you will feel slighted. You will feel like, man, I got the short end of the stick. Man, I helped her. I helped him. And look at them and look at me. You know, that's a, that's that's your truth. But at the same time, it is unfair, unbiblical, unspiritual, and, and is evidence of some demonic stuff if you begin attacking people by virtue of what God is doing in their life. And this is what happens with Miriam. So I, I found it so interesting and intriguing. I was like, wow, the, the Bible listed Miriam first, because it was Miriam who could have, by all intents and purposes, harbored some things in her heart. She was the one that rescued Moses. Now she sees Moses raised up and, and God is using him. And so we're talking about when ministry and family collide because, hey, 
We took baths together. We ate out of the same cereal bowl. Or I changed your pamper. Or I saw you go through an abusive relationship. You know, family is deep, y'all. That's probably why the Lord has me stuck <laughs> dealing with relationships, especially because we're in a pandemic. And if there's anything that we had to realize in this season of a year, probably a year and a half, if not two, um, is we're having to deal with some family issues and family matters that we could have avoided or that we did avoid years gone by. We worked all the time. We were in church all the time. We were at events and things. So we didn't really have to deal with what was happening in our house because we had some place to go. And now God says, everybody's on house arrest, right? Everybody's in timeout. Everybody go home and stay there. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Stay in Goshen until the plague passed. And so now we're seeing things in our homes, even in ourselves, that prior to the pandemic and to COVID, we just kind of, we were oblivious to it. Now we're having to deal with it. God is like, face it, deal with it. See that? You hid that. You covered that. You ignore that. There it goes. And you're like, gee, and I'm, I'm counseling people. I've got, that's why I'm watching my clock because I've got a consultation in a minute, a little bit. But, you know, and, and people reach out, hey, I need help. Uh, we're seeing divorces. Hello. <laughs> we're seeing a lot of things happening because people's true character uh, is being exposed when they can't move. You can't hide it. You can't hide it now. You know, we're in this house looking at each other every day, all day. So you can't hide your devils no more. You can't run it over the so-and-so house and park it around the corner. You got to, all of that stuff is manifesting inside the house. So anyway, we're talking about when ministry and family collides, because this can be a thing I can talk to you about from experience and, 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 and not to put any family member of mine down because who am I, right? God, again, God can raise him up and, and I could be sitting under them. Who knows? So, but at the same time, you do see that it is a heartbreaking experience to have when you started out in ministry together, you each other, you have seen each other, uh, you've seen each other's failures, you've seen each other's successes, you've seen good days, bad days, you've seen days when you're like, okay, why did you call me Jesus? You know, you've seen days when people have come for you and they're like, oh, I know, I've heard somebody say, oh, I know God saved you. I know you changed because there's no way I have people tell me there's no way you would have put up with that. Right. But we thank God for hope. We thank God for the real Holy Ghost <laughs> and, and the fire and all of that. All of Jesus. The songwriter said, give me a little bit more Jesus. I don't have a little bit of Jesus. I'm carrying as much of him as I can possibly contain in this human frame. And so, you know, but your family can be that thorn. Your family can be a blessing. But your family can also be a thorn. And so you, as the man of God, as a woman of God, now you've got to learn how to continue to be faithful to the work that God called you to do, called you to, and be that loyal family member or be true to your family. It's not always easy. Okay. That's not an easy, you're going to need God. Oh, you're going to need the Holy Ghost. And you're going to spend a lot of time in prayer because you're going to, you're going to feel, you're going to feel as if, uh, or you're going to be made to feel as if your your priorities are torn or uh, misplaced, because you're going to have to make decisions. Now, let me say this: your first ministry is to your family. Let me just say that. Let me put that because I know people praise God. They'll be all right. Let me go run over here. No, you, you need to make sure that you're in that season when they they are going to be all right and you can go, because there may be seasons when they're not all right and you can't go. So you can't that you can't make a blanket statement. There'll be times. When you, when God releases you to go and his grace will keep your house while you're gone. And then there'll be times when God says, no, you cannot go. If you leave, you won't have a house to come home to. And so you got to know, again, you got to know the difference between the lamb 
and the lion's anointing. When the humble and kind of sit, and when they get up, growl, roar, and keep it moving, you have to know the difference. And you cannot afford to confuse those seasons. So at any rate, we find ourselves in Numbers chapter 12, and I'm going to summarize it here, but I really strongly encourage you to read it if you're not already familiar with it, because it, it begins to, um, to, to you know, explain what's happening between Miriam and Moses. All right, so uh, let's look at Numbers 12. Let's, I'm going to read a little bit of it to you, okay? And so Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married, for Moses married an Ethiopian woman. Listen to what they said in verse two. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Do you see what I'm saying there? It wasn't just the issue they had with Moses' wife. The issue was with Moses' leadership. And so they they used that to pick. And you got to watch that. You got to listen before I tell you. How can I say this tactfully? Holy Spirit. <laughs> um. Oh, God help me. I'm struggling with this one because um, I've seen this happen a lot personally and with other people. And I'm just going to say it like this. Um, sometimes the questions people ask you are not the real questions that they want to ask you. Sometimes the questions that they ask or the issues that they have are just, the, they're just scratching the surface to what's really bothering them. And if you just listen, and if you just stand still for a minute, you'll hear the whole heart be made manifest. And I'm gonna leave that like that. So let's see if I can do this without glasses. And so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not also spoken by us? Now, how did the conversation change from Moses, we disagree with your wife, which is really none of their business, <laughs> okay? Um, Moses, we have an issue with your wife to, are you the only one that's hearing God now? Do you see that? So the issue really was with instruction that God was using Moses to give, maybe his leadership style, maybe statutes and things he was setting in place. That was really their issue. And it was more so Miriam's issue than it was Aaron's. And I'll tell you why, because Aaron had position. Miriam didn't, at least it's not recorded. And of course we know that that was a, a, a male led um, society. So that could be why. But Miriam took that pot shot at his marriage because deep down, she really had issue with his leadership. And I'm telling you, people of God, this is why you must have the Holy Ghost because you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll focus so much on why they mad at who I'm marrying. And that ain't even really the issue. That might, that might be a part of it. That may just kind of been the, the I like to say, the, the um, straw that broke the camel's back. That was really just the tip of the iceberg. But the real issue was they just don't like the way you 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 doing what you do. And so they're attacking you. Well, God is speaking to us too. But then God wasn't the one that told you to go to Pharaoh <laughs> 10 times. God didn't have you suffering in Pharaoh's house all those 40 years. God didn't have you suffering in the wilderness for 40 years. God didn't use your rod to open the red. You, do you understand what I'm saying? And so many times you will find people attack you for what you're doing but incapable of going through and enduring what you've endured to be where you are. Anybody can step back and say, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you, or if I were you, I would do it this way. I would, but that's, the, that's, you said it, you're not me, right? They're not you. So then 
I don't expect us to maneuver and operate and do things the same way because we're not. We have two different graces. We've got two different levels of experience and we've got two different positions and postures in Christ. So the issue really was with uh, Moses's leadership. And there were some areas and some things that obviously Miriam pointedly, but also Aaron had issue with. And instead of them coming to, and I don't know why people don't do this, <laughs> instead of them saying, hey, can we talk? I heard the way you set up the choir. I'm just saying. And, you know, I really think so-and-so should have been singing alto and this one should have been singing tenor and that one should have, you know, instead of saying, hey, can we, you know, I have an idea or have you thought about, or, you know, what do you think? You know what I'm saying? Instead of just being grown and saying what's on your mind, you know, we take pot shot and we, we, we hit everything else except the bullseye. But let me tell you what happened for the sake of time, because I can go through that for a long, long time. Um, but, but the Bible says, and the Lord, and the Lord heard it. The Lord heard what they said. And so, and then the Bible sort of parenthetically talks about Moses's character. And that, that's, that needed to be put there because number one, we know that Moses killed a man. We know that Moses has been on the woods for a long time. For a long time. We know that Moses stood before Pharaoh. So he, here's what people need to understand. Just because you're operating in meekness does not mean that you are a weak individual. And many times people will frustrate that. They'll, they'll confuse that. They'll look at the fact that you're meek and you don't really talk back. You don't really fight back. You don't really bite back. And they'll assume, oh, that person's weak. Just whatever, whatever. But you don't understand. Meekness does not mean weakness. Meekness means power controlled or power under, power under control. That's really what that means. And so Moses was a very strong, powerful leader to lead millions of people, okay? Uh, to hear God, to know where to go and who to raise up, which armies to fight. This man heard God. But because he would not uh, defend himself or defend his character, he was considered weak, especially, particularly to his sister and his brother. So the Bible says, he, the Bible inserts that because now God's getting ready to deal with the whole issue. Now the man Moses was very weak above all the men above the face of the earth. Moses was a meek man out of everything that he had gone through. People say to me all the time, oh, you're so humble. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> because there are life experiences that will kill certain things that need to die. Especially when you're called, and let me just say this as an apostle, when you're called to certain um, lanes in life and you know there may be some personality things that, could trouble you there, God will kill that through some of your experiences. He'll kill it. And that's why God had to kill that murderer in Moses in the wilderness. Can you imagine if Moses had never been delivered from that murdering spirit that he had? Remember that he was angry, he was enraged because he found out, wait a minute, I'm sitting here picking at these Hebrews and come to find out I'm one of them. You gotta put flesh on the bones and understand how humiliated and betrayed and embarrassed he felt. To the point, he it, it overtook him. That anger overtook him. But God, understanding that Moses had this great work uh, within him, knew that you can't take that anger and rage to the wilderness. Do you understand these people that you're about to lead? They are a rebellious people. The Israel was so rebellious, even God said he wanted to kill them. So now you know if God was tempted with that, you can imagine somebody who did not who who uh, still harbored those types of spirits. 
And so there are many times people will look at who you are now as opposed to who you were then and they'll try you. The young people said, like my students say, they'll try, they tried me. <laughs> they will try you, they'll try your character because they don't see you cussing and fussing and fighting and stabbing like you used to do back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Now you, 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 I'm just gonna pray about it. Let me be quiet. Let me, let me get off Facebook. Let me, you, you know, you, you, you learn how to discipline your spirit as opposed to just opening your mouth and letting whatever come out has to come out. But that, that's what the process is all about. And a lot of people running from it. And then you find themselves on certain platforms. And we saw a witness of that recently. You get on certain platforms and you haven't allowed certain things in your life to be crucified with Christ. And then a situation happens and who, there's your old man cursing, fighting, kicking and shooting. You know, I, I'm just saying. So you've got to allow time for whatever God has called you to. You've got to allow God time to process that stuff out of you. I don't care how many of your cousins going ahead of you or how many of your uncles or your siblings or whoever, there's some stuff in you that is not, can't go. And I know we say that you can't go to the next level. And we say some people can't go to the next level, but there are some things in you that can't go to your next level either. There are some things that will, honey, praise God. You need to, you better add, Lord, please take this stuff out of me because I cannot afford to, to reach that platform in my life and have this thing in me. I will bring great shame to the cross and, and crucify you afresh. So you want God to do that. And God, Moses allowed God to do it. Let me try to wrap this up. So the Lord spoke suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. Verse four, Exodus, excuse me, Numbers chapter 12, verse four. And the Lord spoke suddenly to Moses, listen, and to Aaron and to Miriam. I love the order of it because he spoke to comfort Moses. Then he addressed Aaron and he addressed Miriam last. Isn't that something? Now, Miriam started the trouble, but God spoke to her last. And I'm going to show you why. He said, come the three of you to the tabernacle. And then three came. And the Lord, the Bible says, verse five, the Lord came down on a pillow of cloud, stood in the door and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. Now, you know, Miriam was the one who started the trouble. But God called Aaron, excuse me, Aaron and Miriam. He called her last. And I'm assuming he called Aaron first because Aaron should have known better. Remember, he addressed, he said, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come down to the temple. You always look at order because God operates in order. He didn't just mix the names up. He didn't just mix that up. There was a reason and there was a, there was an order in which God called them and it was set for a purpose. God called Moses, first of all, because he understood they're breaking, son, they're breaking your heart. And before you listen, I can't allow your spirit to be crushed or allow your spirit to be broken because I got work for you to do. Oh, God, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. And so as, as, as people of God, when you're the one under attack before you, ooh, thank you, Jesus, you're waiting for God to deal with them. Get them, God. Oh, did you see what they did? Did you hear? And God was like, no, let me, first of all, let me make sure you're good. <laughs> okay. Because you're the one that's called. I don't worry about that. I will deal with it. Right. But I need to make sure you, my set woman, my set man, my son, my daughter, my son, I need to make sure you're good. I cannot afford in this season or in this hour for anybody to crush your spirit. I cannot afford it. When you think about Jesus, when with, with everything that was going on, do you notice? And I mentioned this in a previous message. He kept pulling at Peter. Oh, I feel your presence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He kept pulling at Peter. He kept pulling. And some of you are saying, well, man, I can't do nothing. It seems like so-and-so can get away with anything. And, and I, I have prayed those prayers too. I'll go to God. Lord, I'm like, Lord, God, Father, really? Like, if I even think about doing what they did, 
I'm on my back flat, can't move, can't walk. I can't breathe. I'm coughing and, uh, you know, whatever is overtake me. You know what I'm saying? Some demon bacteria in the air. <laughs> me <laughs> you'll lift your head just a little bit just for that to get let it get me to shut me down to bring me back to my senses but you're like god you know i'm like why you why you dealing with me so why you always checking me right my spirit is convicted if i get off the phone the wrong way with somebody i'm calling back I, are you good because I, I didn't mean to hang up like that i mean it's like i'm so sensitive you know i always say walking soft i'm, I'm just walking soft I don't want to offend God. I mean, I'm going to offend people. Sometimes you need it, praise God, but in, in the word and in righteousness. So sometimes you have to provoke people to jealousy. That's the word of God. But I'm saying, I definitely don't want to offend God, right? And, and so I'm like, God, why is it, if I try to do that, there's no way I could get away with it. There's just no way. There are things people do that I, 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 I'm like, you got to be crazy. I've seen God do stuff to people. I've seen God lift his head. I've seen Things happen to people that play with God. So you ain't never got to worry about me. I, I have often said, and I will continue to say, if I can't help you, I will leave you alone. I mean that. You ain't got to worry. I can bother you. Mm -mm. <laughs> uh -uh. You can say what you want to say. Oh, she said, no, don't lie. She didn't say nothing. Right? Because God is going to deal with those whose Hearts he expects to be upright before him, especially when you 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 got all this stuff in your hands. God, I can't. He's, he's not. He can't, and he won't allow you to just be messy. So that's why I'm sometimes I'm wondering, like, how can they just do that and like have no conscience and just there's I just I I don't understand it. But at any rate, God checked Moses first. He said Moses because God needed to make sure I need to make sure you're strong, man. I need to make sure you are. I need to make sure they didn't break your spirit because I know that's family and I know that hurts. And I, I know that, you know, you, you're doing the best you can. You didn't ask for this. Right. Uh, so I need to check in with you, son, and, and let you know that I got this. And so God will do the God will deal with you first. And you wonder, well, God, you always on me. What about them? God's going to deal with that. But you are the one he has vested interest in right now. Then he called Aaron. Aaron should have known better. You're the high priest, man. You stand in my presence. You're going to come with some mess. Do you understand what happens to that bell if it stops ringing? Do you understand why I told you to put some string on it so we can drag y'all out of there? You standing in my presence, you're around the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to come up with, to Miriam with some mess talking about Moses, we hear God too? <laughs> so he checked, he checked Aaron, right? And then he checked, he checked Miriam. But oh, let me tell you what he does with Miriam. So I got to wrap this up. You heard my little arm go off, right? And so... He says to them, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, because remember, Miriam has prophetic grace. Aaron is prophetic, right? He's a priest. He's interceding and worshiping and all of that stuff. He said, if there's a prophet, I, let me let me do that. Let me reveal myself. Don't you go checking him talking about you hearing God. Let me let me disclose and reveal and uncover and, and, and appoint who the prophet is. He said, let me make known to him, myself known in a vision on a dream. He said, but even in that, don't get it twisted. Moses doesn't need to have a dream or vision because Moses speaks to me directly. And he says, so how is it <laughs> that you weren't afraid to speak to somebody, speak about somebody who talks to me face to face? He said, my God. He said, I don't speak to him in dark speeches or similitude to speak. In other words, what God is saying is, I speak to Moses plain. He's my friend. I have to deal with you in a dream or a vision. 
you know, I got to veil myself. I can't even reveal my whole self to you. But I speak to him plainly. So why were you not afraid to say what you said to him? He said, um, Moses is faithful in all of my house. And so now he defends whatever decision Moses made, whether it was a marriage decision, whether it was a ministry decision. He said, listen, Moses, he says, not like y'all. He said, Moses is faithful in all my, in other words, everything that I've asked Moses to do, including sacrifices, including pain, suffering, uh, uh, things he has abandoned, he has been faithful. He has proven himself to be faithful. And so the Bible says um, th that the Lord's anger <laughs> kindled and the cloud departed. And when God left, he left a gift for Miriam. <laughs> Praise God. The, <laughs> the glory departed and then the glory left for the parting gift. And the gift was for Miriam, now for Aaron. So uh, let me just try to wrap this up. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. When you have conflict in ministry or in business or in life, maybe family conflict, and, and it, it is teeter-tottering around ministry or the works of the ministry, and people are starting to now pick at your leadership style or your leadershipness because of some decisions you've made or things they disagree with, don't fight back. There's no need for you to argue because they've already made up in their minds how they feel about you. You can't, and I, I try to get people to understand, quit trying to defend yourself to people that are intentional about not understanding. They won't get it. They, they, the Bible said their foolish hearts are darkened. You cannot make a carnal man understand spiritual things. The Bible said they are spiritually discerned. They cannot understand it. And I've found people, I've counseled people, I've talked to people, I know people that are still trying to get their family to accept their call. They may never accept your call. They may never. Now, here we find later on Moses, excuse me, Aaron and, and Miriam, they get it right and they get it together. They both missed the promised land, Moses too, praise God. But they, they miss it. They miss their promise. They live their life serving. They never uh, received their reward. And that is an unfortunate benediction for many people is they will live their life serving, doing, 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 and never eat the fruit of their works. I believe there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that talks about, um, about man, the joy of a man's life is to work and then eat the fruit of his work, the fruit of his hands. And it's a curse for him to work and lay up and then leave it for his children. And in one case, if I would talk about them, some of them being fools that would destroy the work that he put in or something like that. It's in Ecclesiastes. And there's some scriptures in Proverbs that talks about that too. It's about laying up your inheritance for fools who don't, they don't even understand the capacity of what you, the sacrifices you made to do, leave what you left them and they just run through it, right? And, and so you, you've got to understand that there are some people that are just incapable of, of, of embracing who you are, accepting who you are. They can't see you pass the little boy in the, in the, in the uh, um, boat down the river that I had to protect you. They are still recalling things that if you 50,000 years ago, well, you remember when your phone got turned off and I paid your phone bill, man, that was 50 years ago. I done paid you back so many times. If I didn't give you money, I gave you, I gave prayer, which you can't put no price on that. I have interceded for you in the course of heaven. I stood between you and death angels when they were trying to attack your body. When demons, which were came, when demons came in my dreams asking for permission to attack your body, I stood and did battle. 
woke up with pains and aches and scratches on me. And you talking about a phone bill you paid me 20 years ago? Here is your $100. If that's, if that's what's eating you, if that's going to help you get delivered, here is your $100. You see what I'm saying? But people will hold those things against you, people of God. So you've got to learn. Uh, first of all, you got to accept the human experience for what it is. There are people who are committed to misunderstanding you for whatever reason. They can't understand why it's you that God called, not them. They can't understand why you're doing it the way you're doing it when God didn't tell them to do nothing. They will harass you. They will mock you. They will ridicule you. They will uh, uh, poke fun, fun at your choices, your decisions. And you can have, you, there's a tendency to want to fight back and say something back and defend yourself, but you don't have to do it. Look at what happens here. The Bible says, and the Lord heard it. Can I prophesy to you that there are people in your family, whether it's your blood family or your friend family or your work family or church family or whatever your family thing, your tribe, and they're putting their mouths on you, just watch God. And, and first of all, the Lord is going to check you and make sure you're good. He's going to make sure, son, you all right? Daughter, you good? You all right? I, you know, don't, don't I, I heard that. Don't let that stuff sink in your spirit and, and you open doors to low self-worth and am I called? Am I doing this right? God saying to you, don't you let that devil talk to you. Shut the voice of the wicked down. Yes, I called you. Yes, I told you to do it this way. Yes, I agreed with that decision. Yes, it may not be what everybody wants for you, but that's your life. You suffered, you sacrificed, you enjoy the fruit of your labor. I'm not asking for people to agree with you, but they better honor you. And that's what the Lord told Moses, uh, told them, he said, y'all, y'all weren't afraid to say that. You, you could just come out your mouth and say, that's not, that is not okay. And so God is getting ready to defend many of you um, in, in some cases. And, and guess what? You may never get the memo. All you know is you're going to see the hearts of people around you change. They may never tell you that the Lord visited me. The same thing happened with Laban and Jacob. When Jacob was about to leave and take his family back and, and the, Laban was going to do Jacob great harm. Great harm. God didn't even let, didn't even let Jacob know because he said, I don't even want you to be troubled with what that wicked thing is plotting concerning. You don't even be bothered by that. But he, listen, God interrupted Laban in his dreams and woke him up and said, listen here, that plan that you're planning, you better abort it quickly. You don't want those problems. Feel God. You don't want to, you don't want to touch him. There are some people, there's a movie that's called The Untouchables. There are some people you just don't want to touch because it ain't so much what they're going to say. It's when God fights you. Uh, um, who told uh, Paul, Lord, what's, I can't, uh, Gamaliel told Paul the same thing. He said, you better be careful that you don't find yourself fighting God. And so with Miriam and Aaron, they weren't fighting Moses. They were fighting God. And so that's why God said, come down to the building and let's talk. Let's have church, y'all. Open the doors. Let's have church. Because I got a message I'm going to preach. It's called, don't even think about it. But because you did. <laughs> we love you. God bless you. I pray this message has encouraged those of you whose hearts have been burdened by some of the conflict that you've had to face with family or friends, doesn't have to be blood folk, you know, could be kin, your friend folk. Uh, but at any rate, it's just, it's you're trying to do what God has called you to do. And you just, you, it seems like you're being buffeted on every hand by people who don't even have a clue to what God is doing in your life. Don't even understand the price you paid. May not look like much to them, but you know what you went through. You know what you sacrificed. You know the blood, you know the sweat, you know the tea, you know what you put up with to get to where you are. So you keep standing and you be encouraged. And I love you. 
I pray for you. I build you up on your most holy faith. And I encourage you, like the Bible says, pray in tongues. Let God take it. Don't even go to God in your natural language with something like this because you're going to pray out of your pain and you're going to pray out of your hurt and you're going to pray out of your emotions. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit take this petition to the Father on your behalf so you can see some accelerated, accelerated, I prophesy, accelerated results. And like I said, they may never come back and say anything to you, but you're going to see some hearts change around you. All right. Well, God bless you. Come back and see us at the next time. Praise God.